Hey everyone and welcome to Already Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Tara, and we are going to talk about The Twilight Zone, Season 1, Episode 15. It's called I Shot an Arrow Into the Air. So full spoilers for the episode, as always. So you remembered this one, right? Yeah, I did. Okay, right, that's a short answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> yes, I think we're going to elaborate. I it from the description, I remembered it from the title, and I went, oh. I know this one. And while watching it, I knew every scene that was going to happen. I remember, I remembered it when I, I saw it, like when I started watching it. It, 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 it all came flooding back. However, mm-hmm. I did remember, or at least I guessed the twist last week, because I didn't want to see it on the review itself, because I didn't want to spoil the next episode. But the one thing that I really wanted to say last week, because last week's episode, so spoilers for last week's episode, for, if for some reason you, you skipped ahead to this one, um, was that the, the twist was is that we're on an alien planet the whole time and that the people on the saucer were coming towards Earth, right? They were escaping to Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And as soon as I read the description for this one, I went, I bet the twist is the exact opposite. We think we're on another planet or an asteroid and the twist is, no, we're on Earth the whole time. Why does season one of this show do this, though? They it's... have back-to-back episodes of descriptions that could be so the same. <laughs> it's it's so weird because it's it's at least the second time this has happened where we've read the description for the next one and went i feel like this is very similar to the one we just watched like it's yeah. happened a couple of times uh which is <laughs> which isn't to say that either episode is at fault on its own it's just that it's weird putting them back to back yeah i i try to put myself in the mindset of where i was when i last saw this episode to see if the twist is obvious and it's kind of impossible to do. Like once you know what the twist is, the episode is still good, but it's, um, it's not as rewatchable. Yeah, because the episode starts, it's right in the control room. And what I love about this opening scene, actually, is that you're in the control room, right? The, the, it's, they don't call it NASA, but like it's essentially what it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, okay, counting down to the rocket, and Rod Serling's doing his narration, and he's like, okay, so they spent four years working on this rocket. It's the first rocket to leave the planet. Again, to compare, it, to compare it to the new 2019 series that just finished its first season, this gave us information. This explained a lot of things so that we understood yeah. the con- the context of what was happening, uh, which what the new show never does. The new show just gives you bumble-jumble that means nothing. Uh, but what, was, what I thought was interesting right. about this scene is that this was, you know, 10 years before the, the moon landing, right? Uh, or maybe nine years now. I think we're in 1960 now. But mm-hmm. this, is, this is past Christmas. But what I thought was interesting about it is that Okay, so I'm I'm looking at this control room and I'm seeing a guy with like a periscope and I'm seeing like just this it's a relatively small room for what it is. Like, you know, when I think of what the NASA control room is supposed to look like, um, at least from other TV shows and movies that are much more present, it looks very small. Yeah. It and, should be rows and rows of desks and computers and Yeah. Like at least at least what, a dozen scientists with giant screens? Of course, front. obviously, yeah. yeah, naturally. That's that's what you have in the room. <laughs> and you could say that, oh, it's just a budget thing. And I'm like, oh, maybe maybe it could be, but I actually think it's not. I, I think this is like, they just didn't necessarily know yet what, what it did yeah. look like. Because like n- nowadays we are so used to so many movies that have been based around moon, you know, moon landings and, you know, rocket launches and, you know, or even just completely fictional NASA activity. We just, we know mm-hmm. what the room's supposed to look like. And I wonder, if in 1959 or 1960 now where okay obviously 
the space program was a thing and people were you know they were, they were working on things and they i don't know if they'd been to space yet I, I can't remember the timeline as to when that, that first happened but yeah i don't know i don't i don't think so like maybe it was like the beginning of the space race but um i think like the john glenn stuff happened pretty at least a few years later than this but i don't remember yeah yeah i've seen the right i'm wrong someone will let me know <laughs> yeah I've, I've seen the right stuff so i mean i, I, I just never remembered the dates or anything like that um mm -hmm. But I, I don't think it was it was necessarily common knowledge, or even amongst like screenwriters who who were maybe trying to research it, what this room looks like, or the scope of what the room is, or or, or anything, right? right. Uh, and I, I just thought that was kind of funny. This is like well, we kind of experienced that with the first episode too, with the pilot. True, yeah. Because they were uh, talking about sending a man to the moon, and how long that would take, the journey would take, and. You know, uh, I think they were speculating like two weeks to get there or something. Like, well, yeah, they, I guess they just didn't know. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just funny to see like them imagine this and sort of like work up. And it's not like a million miles away. Like they've they've got a general idea, I suppose. But <laughs> it's just kind of funny. No, no, it's just it's fun to see that. It's fun yeah. to see old future on so television. They fire a rocket up. They lose track of it, and then we cut to the the astronauts. Uh, which notably, I don't even think they're using that word in this episode. Uh, maybe because that word again wasn't like a common used used word yet. Commonly did you used. Did they, they didn't use the word astronaut? I don't think they did. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. I don't remember. I think it was just like the, the, the crew, the pilots. You know, it was never, it was never astronaut. Uh, but they think they're on an asteroid, and only three have survived. Well, there's a fourth, but he's, you know, he's lying there. He's dying. <laughs> not not much time left. Yeah. Uh, and there were like 10 pilots or something or 10 crew members yeah yeah 10, <laughs> ten pilots yeah, it's just a ship with nothing but pilots <laughs> <laughs> yeah no power struggles there um and obviously a lot of the episode is about the 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 human element of this where it's like fighting over how much water is left and how they should conserve things and do things turn violent and that kind of thing that's what a lot of episodes but there's a moment early on and i'd already like you know, guessed what the twist was last week but uh, and I have seen this before a long time ago, and I was remembering it as I was watching it, but the one line that stuck out to me early on, uh, in this first little chunk when they're, they're, they're just here, is the, the, the leader looks up at the sun and says, the sun's about the same size as it is on Earth, it's just like it. And I went, this is the moment I think I'd guess the twist if I didn't already read the description. Yeah, I was wondering that too, like, would I have already guessed the twist if I didn't know it at that part? Because this moment's so on the nose. So, yeah. It's so obvious. It really is. Because because then it's like, okay, oh, luckily, like we could, the air's breathable. There's no radiation. And I'm like, aye, because you're in the desert. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. Um. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny because they they have a they land on an asteroid, and this isn't the first time we've had an asteroid with an atmosphere in it. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Them. The uh, the episode The Lonely also had that setting, and uh, I guess that's what people who wrote science fiction just believed that it's just a barren rock, but still has breathable air. <laughs> yeah, wishful thinking. Maybe it was just a case of like no one will know better, so we can just do it, even if even yeah, if the writer knows be better. Too. Yeah, and yeah, I'm I'm fine. Like I put myself in that time when I watch it, and I go because it's it's just more fun that way to accept that this is the 
information that you had at the time and to to watch it from that angle. And I, I do actually really like this episode, though. I know I'm kind of like complaining <laughs> about it, but I, I do really like it. Um, I especially like the uh, the main character because I like that he's I like that he's kind of a villain. <laughs> it's a good character study. It's kind of like a, like Lord of the Flies. You know what happens when people are isolated and they're trying to survive. What what does it bring out of you? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, Corey, he's the the lead, not the leader, but he's the he's the, our lead character, and that he he's the one we're mainly following. And he is concerned that the dying man shouldn't get any water because they have to split it amongst the three who are you know healthy and alive and give them a fighting chance. And you know, there's debates over this, and then eventually, uh, like the colonel sends them both out to like try and see if they can find anything, and he comes back alone. And suspiciously, his his canteen is almost full, despite the fact that he left. It was only half full, and he was drinking it already. Mm-hmm. So he's like, "What happened to the other guy? Did you kill him?" He's like, "No, I didn't. No, I found him though. Like he must have hit his head in a rock, f- fell down somewhere. I took his, I took his water, and he's like, did you do anything for us?' So, he, so he, the colonel forces him to take him out to where where he found the other guy, uh, and he is still alive, barely." And he tries to draw something in the sand. He's trying to like draw something, and I wasn't sure what he was trying to draw. Like I, I thought he was trying to make an E at first to say Earth. Mm. I feel like that would be the obvious thing to do. Later on, we find out he was actually trying to uh, draw power cables. Yeah, like a telephone line. Yeah, a telephone line, and I'm like, I feel like that in the sand. Like this is a really bad game of Pictionary. I, I, I don't know if this is going to be that obvious. <laughs> um. <laughs> well. It- I don't remember if I could. Was he able to draw the full thing, or did he just just do a line and then kill over? He did a line and two. He did two across and a line, and I thought oh, it was okay. a, so it's kind of like a T with an extra hat on it. Yeah. Well, because I, I thought it was going to do like an E, because because he did the two and then the, the straight line. I thought, oh, okay, then a horizontal one will do you. <laughs> now you can get onto the yeah, A. Well, maybe if he had some water, he would have been able to speak. But, oh, maybe you know, yeah. Yeah, Corey of course. Took all his water from him. Exactly, Corey took that from. So, yeah, and then, I mean, it's a very straightforward episode. I mean, it, it does get a little bit more dark here, where Corey does like, you know, after the colonel's dropped his gun, he picks up the gun and just shoots him. Like he doesn't even give him a chance. There's no begging. There's no pleading. He just does it. Mm-hmm. Takes uh, his water. Takes his water and goes on sauntering and climbing. And what I thought was interesting. This is maybe the first time where Rod Serling's narrations came in a little bit early, just to kind of yeah. Add- no, no, we had that with the. Um- Time enough at last episode as well. Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I remember now. Yeah, you're right. Because we looked mm-hmm. that down at the time as well. Yeah, um, but it, it comes into almost just kind of assist the visuals because he's just climbing rocks, he's climbing mountains, he's you know traversing and being kind of miserable, and it's just to kind of like talk about his struggle. And then he gets to the top and he he finally sees something. He starts laughing. He's like, "No, I know what he was trying to say. No, I know what he was trying to say." And the camera just pans over, and there's a couple of cars. There's some power cables. There's a sign yeah. that says Nevada, you know, however many miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh shit, we're on Earth the whole time. Joe, Joe, what's funny to me actually is that obviously this came way first, but this actually, there's a very similar plot to this in a kids' comedy show that I used to watch growing up called Chuckle Vision. And it's about, I've never heard of it. It's, it's a UK show, but it, it it's, these, it's these brothers, Paul and Barry Chuckle. And the, the plots of the episodes tend to be that every episode they tried a new profession. And you know sucked at it because they were goofballs um but they, they built a rocket 
in an episode and wanted to go to the moon and or another planet and maybe mars and they get they get out of the you know they, they, they go up for a bit they come down they get out and they think oh we're on another planet and they're taking it all very seriously and in a comedy way and then eventually the twist is is they eventually just get to the edge of this field and oh wait no we're actually just like to sh- you know we're at the farm that's like a mile down the road like we're, no we're not, we're not anywhere special it's funny because it reminded me of a of a movie that rod sterling wrote which i don't know if i should say which one because it's kind of the twist ending of it is it the same twist ending <laughs> uh yeah whoa i wonder i wonder assuming it was after this i wonder if you look like this idea but thought i can do more with this I'm going to do I, probably. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he wrote this episode, um, but he wrote the movie that takes from this episode. You he, know what this movie is. He wrote the screenplay, uh, but it's based on a story by Madeline Champion. Oh, a, a female? Madeline sounds, sounds like a female. Cool. <laughs> You weren't expecting a woman writer in, in the sixties, were you? I wasn't. No. <laughs> hey. Um Way to go, Madeline. Unless you're a man, but still way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is literally the only credit to her name. I wonder if it when it says story by, I wonder if she wrote a short short story, if she's not a screenwriter or anything like that. I wonder if it's Uh I think I think Twilight Twilight Zone took scripts that were submitted by people as well. Oh really? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if it was quite like Star Trek level, because I think that was much later in like the next generation where they took spec scripts from people, from fans. Interesting. But I think I remember hearing that Twilight Zone did that. So maybe maybe that's what it was. Oh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, the twist ending is good. Um, I think it's maybe a little too telegraphed. Uh, but the the core story is entertaining because it is the, the I, I think any situation where you've got a small group of characters trying to survive, you know, it's hard not to also think about maybe the opening like twenty minutes of like Planet of the Apes a little bit. Yeah. You know, before you get to the apes, obviously, just the the wandering on the the planet. Yeah. Which, funnily enough, spoilers for Planet of the Apes just in case you don't know the twist ending which is very famous but the end of Planet of the Apes the twist is that it's on Earth the whole time yeah that's the movie I was talking about oh did he write this movie yeah. I, I, I don't know if he wrote Planet Rob, of the Apes Rob wrote the script for Planet of the Apes I did not know that that's he why did. I never thought of that when you were saying that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Hey, I don't think you can feel too bad. Literally every DVD and Blu-ray of it has the Statue of Liberty on it now. <laughs> like they, I know. They, they don't it's, even try. I, I know, it's been spoiled. I don't know, it sucks. I, I I wish I could have watched that for the first time not knowing. I really do. Oh, I did. Yeah, I did not. I, I, I blame Cheers. There was an episode of Cheers where they had a conversation about it. Oh, yeah. And it ruined it and for Simpsons. me. The Simpsons. The Simpsons does the, uh, the musical... Yeah. Which I think I quoted last week when we did our Twilight Zone review. <laughs> luckily, luckily, actually, because I rewatched Frasier like a few years ago, and mm-hmm. there's actually a spoiler in that for Citizen Kane. But luck, and I had seen Frasier before Citizen Kane, but luckily I'd forgotten about it by the time I actually watched Citizen Kane. So, you know. Oh, the rosebud. Yes, what rosebud is was was uttered in anger. It's 
It's anticlimactic anyway. <laughs> oh, look at the hot what takes the on Citizen Hot takes on Citizen Kane. Um, it's actually really funny to think about that episode of Frasier because the, the whole episode is about spoilers. But before like we had spoiler culture, he's trying to avoid spoilers for some movie that he's been trying to see. And even though it's this artsy-fartsy like, French film, he's still surrounded by spoilers, <laughs> despite the fact that <laughs> no one else he knows should care about it. Well, except Nails, because Nails is also, you know, artsy-fartsy. Right. But um, I don't know. It's just funny to me. Anyway, uh, I, think, I think the episode works at its base value. It's a really solid episode of Twilight Zone, but it's maybe one that, unlike some of the others, has maybe aged a little, not necessarily in concept, but just because... It's actually, from a modern perspective, I think it's really easy to see where this one's going. Like, it's, it's very clear. Yeah, I, that's why I was trying to think, like, at the time, would it have been a big shock when you were watching it? Or, um, because we're watching it through the lens of 2019, <laughs> post, you know, the Twilight Zone, um, influencing all those science fiction that we watch. But I think even even not with even taking away the influences, I think one of the things that we have, I mean, I mean, admittedly, I think maybe general knowledge about you know basic like you know space and you know the the way stars work and the way planets work and things like that might be more like commonly known. But I think the biggest thing it maybe has going against it is that there's been so many sci-fi movies since this, and not even ones that were inspired by uh, Twilight Zone. Just it, there's been so many movies set in space. There's been so many movies set on other planets and between all those things you kind of build up a set of rules that are consistent between all of them right <laughs> or most of yeah, them at least that's true and i think because we have this just ingrained into our brains as sci-fi fans as soon as he says the sun's exactly like it is on earth we're like see if you gave me two suns i'd be like oh this is definitely somewhere else <laughs> and you wouldn't have tricked me yeah but i i do like i do like the scenario um in order to tell the the story of the the three lead characters or basically the two leads. Right. Mm. Um, I like that the, the asshole is the one who wins, <laughs> except that he's now carrying this burden. Uh, it's kind of similar to um, the ending of the mist, right? Where he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> where now he has to live with this consequence it's kind of similar i mean i'd say the difference with that is that in the mist it's not done out of spite it's done out of like mercy and it's it's uh right but it's yeah. still done in a sense where if he had just not been selfish then he would have it, things would have ended up okay for for all of them who were alive still yeah i mean it's it's it's, it's kind of um it's about losing hope and in this case he didn't even believe in hope to begin with he just wanted to try and he just was trying to survive yeah he thought that he was doing what he needed to do to survive but and instead it... he ended up killing everybody and or killing at least two people mm. and if you, you listen to the the, the colonel no though, like everyone would have been fine like the, the three of them would have been fine they'd, they'd have found civilization yeah. and that would have been it you know they'd, they'd have been a little bit moody yeah they'd be a little bit groggy and dehydrated but they'd have gotten somewhere like you know um yeah although i do have to question the uh because they'll, they'll lose track of the rocket right from the the command center and they're like we don't know where it went it's completely off like you know radar all of our readings our sensors and our monitoring equipment and i'm like it's still on earth how could you lose it it's still on freaking <laughs> earth I know. Did nobody in Nevada like see it fall down? 
I mean, they they sort of addressed it. They said um, because it wasn't in the because it hadn't left like the atmosphere for too long. That I guess the the equipment is only used to or the instruments are only used to measure outside of the atmosphere. <laughs> Was that sort of brought up, or am I just making it up? No, I think they kind of say something with that, but I still I still call bullshit. <laughs> oh yeah, just just because Definitely. you know. We... But that's okay. You know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Lord of the Flies, which I brought up earlier. Like, okay, kids are on an island. Somehow, only the children survived. We're in the setup so that we can see what this brings out of humanity. What what this brings out of people, and uh, that's what this scenario is too. Mm. Yeah. Lord of the Flies changes quite considerably if they all have phones but internet access. Uh, yeah, a lot of old stories do. Yeah, they'll be a lot more docile. <laughs> <laughs> they'll, they'll also ask for help. They'll, they'll call it for help, obviously, but, um, <laughs> you know. Uh, one that I always like to think about is Die Hard. Die Hard is a completely different movie if, like, phones exist, like, mobile phones exist in that movie. Yeah. Because so much of that movie is him trying to get to a radio to try and communicate for outside help. All of that well, is I mean, just... even like Star Wars is kind of guilty of it too. And they in the future. Oh, I guess they're not in the future. It's a long time ago. Yeah, it's a long time ago. <laughs> but all their technology has to be transferred through droids when they couldn't have just made a phone call. <laughs> yeah, they got fancy hologram phones, but for some reason, every so often that doesn't work, and they have to have to send the droids. Yeah, nope. see, exactly. Star Wars is overrated. You've proven my point. Uh... Um... <laughs> Uh, that's not where I was going. <laughs> but it's where we got anyway. As, isn't life wonderful how it takes you down unexpected paths? Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, all right. It's a great movie. <laughs> hey, I actually, I like the original trilogy. I'm not giving, I'm not giving a shade in the original trilogy. Yes, thank you. My, my problem is, is uh, the ongoing franchise as a whole could be doing with uh, calming down a bit. <laughs> Okay. I mean, you just don't like what other people like. That's why you like fancy art house movies. <laughs> I like lots of mainstream. Hey, I went to see Godzilla King of the Monsters last, this week and I loved it. It was great. There was monsters hitting yeah, each other. <laughs> <laughs> that is not highbrow entertainment, thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, but yeah, that was that was the Twilight Zone. I like, I don't have much more to add about the episode specifically. No, I, I couldn't really decipher what was coming up next. He was speaking in code. Yeah, he was talking about um, a flight of some kind, but ultimately it's about a hitchhiker. It's called the Hitchhiker. Uh, let me read what the description is on IMDb. Uh, a young woman driving cross country becomes frantic when she keeps passing the same man on the side of the road. No matter how fast she drives, the man is always up ahead, hatching her for a ride. Hmm. It does kind of sound familiar, actually. It does kind of. I think I can picture the man. You can picture the man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, and we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how it is. Um, so that has been Twilight Zone episode 15 of, of season one of the classic show. So let us know what you think of the episode in the comments below. You can like and subscribe, all that stuff. You can get us on the Twitters at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates. If you would like to check out other content that we have, other other things worth recommending, uh, slowly working through Babylon 5, which may or may not also feature Tara soon. Um, if I can catch up. Yeah, pr probably... <laughs> 
towards the end of season one starting season two kind of time she'll jump on um so you can look forward to that uh, you can also check out classic star trek reviews with me and connor we're uh, just about finishing or by the time this goes up we probably have finished season one of the next generation so uh check out that um and if, if people want to support us tara how can they do that oh why you can go to our patreon page at patreon.com slash tv you can donate as low as a dollar per month and with that you get bonus episodes of some of the shows like the ace the atomic cinema experiment or screams after midnight and you get um, access to these Twilight Zone reviews a week early. And? And you get to vote for upcoming films if you donate at the $5 tier. And? <laughs> oh, boy. And, uh, <laughs> what comes oh. after that? If you donate uh, $10 a month, you get to sponsor videos. Am I making that up? <laughs> yeah, it's sponsor specific TV uh, series of reviews. Um, I was mostly just in that to be a dick. I, mean, I wasn't actually. <laughs> but I so, know, I but, know, Coach. You're just throw me in. But since we're on the subject, and <laughs> oh, did I miss something? Um, there's an next one up. There's, there's a twenty dollars here. I don't know what it does. <laughs> <laughs> That's the producer too. You get your name at the end of every single thing that we do. Cool. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that is us. So thank you very much for watching once again. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV Guys in the Twilight Zone.